Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we interview marathon swimmers from all walks of life to get perspective on how to endure, adapt, and overcome the challenges we face swimming and in life. I'm Shannon Keegan, marathon swimmer, wife, mom, and swim efficiency coach at Intrepid Water, where we seek to empower individuals to become comfortable and confident in the water so they can start swimming places. Are you ready to swim smarter? Check out my virtual Efficient Swimming Basics program at intrepidwater.com. In this episode, we were inspired by a remarkable woman who's attempted a double of the North Channel, not once, but twice. Caroline Block started marathon swimming just five years ago and has honed an impressive resume, including four successful crossings of the North Channel. We talk about equal access, being a conservative swimmer, having a superhuman ability to sustain lion's mane jellyfish stings, checking your assumptions, and so much more. Enjoy. Alrighty. Let's um, all mute ourselves if you haven't already, and let's talk to Caroline. What's your story, Caroline? <laughs> Um, gosh, uh, <laughs> well, so I don't know. I, I think I learned how, I don't know when, when I learned how to swim. I was trying to think about it this morning and, um, I don't know how old I was. I was pretty young. Um, but I, like, I know it was very important to my parents that me and my brother, that we learned how to swim. Um, and you know, we went to day camp, which I think is like a really Northeastern thing. I don't know if that's everywhere. Um, and you know, my mom worked at the camp so that we could go and we had private swim lessons. And then I started, I joined my swim team um, when I was eight and I swam from eight to 14. And I was like, I worked very hard, but I was not particularly talented. I think I peaked, like I went to, you know, like that was in the finals at JOs and like when I was 10. That was kind of like, <laughs> what has it got? Um, and yeah, so then I stopped swimming when I was 14. And even though like I lifeguarded uh, from 16, like forward, I never like I never got in the water and didn't swim at all <laughs> until I was maybe like 29. Um, and I started running and then I started training for a triathlon and then I needed to get back in the pool. And so I was uh, doing my dissertation fieldwork in New York City and I needed to belong to a gym to train for the triathlon. So I started lifeguarding again. And then uh, I met people who were open water swimmers through that job. And I started swimming down at Coney Island in Brooklyn and uh, sort of went from there. Mm -hmm. Will you tell us um, when when you found out that you were deaf, or when you, or did you lose your hearing when you were like younger, or is that something that you were born with? Um, I think as far as we know, like this has kind of been like an always thing. Uh, I'm like a little older than you know, when we had sort of screening tests, like that, that sort of uniform thing. Um, I had a bunch of uh, surgeries when I was uh, like two, three on my ears. And I think the thought was it would like improve things and it definitely didn't. And so it's just kind of always been, you know. 
yeah, it's like, yeah, got it. Um, how was, all right, well, I want to hear your swimming story, but I'm amazed <laughs> at your, at, you know, at, um, at your accomplishments without, well, I'm amazed at your accomplishments, period. But um, trying to swim and not being able to hear is something we might touch on a little bit more. But um, tell us about when you started pushing distances. Um, so I had never heard of marathon swimming growing up. It wasn't like really part of my, like, it's nothing that I knew about. And um, when I was 14, I was asked to be part of a relay um, swimming uh, from England to France and back. Um, and I knew nothing about the English Channel, but it sounded really cool. And, you know, a relay is not a marathon swim, you know, at, at an individual level, but that was sort of, I guess, my first exposure to marathon swimming. And like, they, but it was really just the English Channel specifically. Um, it was a great experience. We went over, uh, we met Allison Streeter, we broke our records, we did all that. Um, but like, it wasn't, it was never introduced as in like, this is a whole sport where people do multiple things. It was like, <laughs> A thing you swim the English Channel <laughs> um, and I had started fencing the year before and I knew that like I was I was so much better I have no idea why I was chosen for this relay I still don't <laughs> um, like because I wasn't amazing right um, but I really liked it a lot more than pool swimming and I felt like well now we have this world record and I'm just not, I'm not even going to be like a college swimmer so I should like cut my losses now I'm so much better at fencing I'm gonna concentrate on fencing so I can do that in college so I ended up doing that um I fenced in high school and, and throughout college um and stopped swimming at that point so then when I was working at the JCC uh lifeguarding and doing my field work and um I was I started going to the beach the person who invited me to the beach um was Bonnie Nolan so then Bonnie Schwartz and it turned out she was a channel swimmer as well. So I think it was like pretty natural at that point that at some point I'd say, oh, uh, well, I'm gonna do that, you know? Yeah. So um, it was just, I signed up for the English Channel without having ever done any open water like events um, and then sort of figured out a plan of how I was gonna get there. Mm -hmm. um, and then through that plan, you know, and the events that I signed up for and the people that I met, you know, on the way to the English Channel ended up sort of committing to other swims. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of continued in the same vein, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, can you tell us some of the, like, barriers you kind of faced initially when you, like, in, 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 in signing up for events and then eventually solo swims? What are some of the barriers you faced? um being a deaf individual um i think that I'm, so there, i don't think there are many barriers in terms of the actual swims themselves i don't think there's a barrier in doing the swims like in the actual sport um i think probably everybody knows that gertrude Ederly, the first woman to swim the english channel was deaf um there's like a long history there i think that my experience on marathon swims is probably greatly different than many other people's but then again everybody has a different experience out there you know also i think for example i rely on my crew for different things i don't think more i think more for some things and less for other things than than uh like a hearing swimmer would 
Um, but I think that the main barriers uh, in the sport are really in a lot of the stuff that surrounds the swims. I don't tend to do organized events. I do solo swims. There are like a lot fewer barriers there. Um, people just because of the assumptions of um, organizers in the sports, you know, that, that everyone is a middle class white male, you know, um, and when people are sort of uh, confronted with the reality that that is not the case, a lot of the times they don't react as they should. Um, so just a lot of the, I think that like, I mean, something about the sport that's so important to me is the social aspect of it. And most of the swims that I do is because I met someone and I want to go visit them or something like that at an individual level. But a lot of the, the more organized social aspects of the sport have been very, um, exclusive and, uh, excluding. Um, and a lot of, you know, like when, when any, when there's any kind of media, that comes out all the you know all the films that come out they're never accessible and it's something that i have made it a practice of of always asking for those things to be made accessible and i think you know you're often that's something that i've chosen to do but you're often when you do that you're often made to feel very annoying or like in the at the best case like you're asking for a personal favor and the thing is that it's not a personal favor it's you're not asking for something extra, you're asking for equal access, not only for you, but for, to make something accessible for everyone out there and to open this forward to other people who might come across it that way. So. Yeah, yeah, I love you, thank you. Thanks for talking, talking about that. Um, what, um, what do you think is, was the motivation, like what is it about marathons? I mean, why do you keep wanting to swim marathons? Uh, I think so. It's it's uh, very much driven by the people that I've met. Um, so, like I was saying, you know what? If I don't think I would have, it would have occurred to me to swim marathons if I hadn't met Bonnie. Um, and then, as I was training for it, I met all these people who inspired me to do other swims. So, I when I was training for the channel, I um, I had to do my six hour qualifier swim, and I ended up meeting. Uh, these guys from Italy on a training trip in Cinque Terre. But it's also a really good excuse to travel. Um, <laughs> and so I met these guys in Italy from uh, swimming and decided, you know, at that point I decided that I wanted to swim the North Channel. And, you know, I keep meeting, every time I go over to Ireland, I meet more wonderful people, which is why I keep going back. And then um, sort of across the board, it's it's like, that's why I end up like, continuing to sign up for swims. Um, I'm not a list person. I don't do swims to check off a list. I do swims that that mean something to me, either because they're local or they're somewhere I want to be or with someone I want to be with. So. That's awesome. Um, how do you describe the feeling of completing a marathon swim? Um, you know, I don't know that like I have a great answer for this because <laughs> I don't know that I, I I particularly let it hit me. Like each each ending is is kind of different. Like a lot of the times, you know, if you have rough conditions and you're trying to, you just have to like kind of grab onto some rock and you hope you don't, you know, get too cut up. And if it's dark, I'm always really concerned that like I I need to know that the boat has seen me 
finish. And I'm always like, I'm hanging on there extra long. Like, I really hope this is like something that they're aware that I finished. Um, I had a funny experience in 2000, on oh, my first North Channel swim in 2016, I finished um, and it was like the whole last like couple hours of the swim were like very much a, a surprise that they were happening at all because I was uh, very close to finishing like several hours ahead of that and then I ended up somewhere else several hours later in the dark finishing and everything that I've seen about North Channel you know, finishes is like, it's a rocky coastline. And I knew that I was close to land because I had seen some random light. And I uh, assumed that I was heading for some kind of like a headland. And I didn't know where the closest spot to touch was going to be. Except that then, you know, sort of the shore rose up and I was on a sandy beach. And, <laughs> and like the light was these guys having a bonfire and drinking beer. It was so unexpected. <laughs> yeah. um, so that really varies, but I don't know. I think like that, assuming you have the conditions to do it, like the, the, that short little like paddle back to the boat is like, is such a nice like relief, you know, <laughs> you're swimming, but there's no pressure. Um, and that's, but you know, it's, it's, it's also tempered by, I really hate the boat ride back. And like, this is no matter what the swim is, it's just very physically uncomfortable. I don't feel like it's, really like a time to celebrate. It's such a like, you know, whether or not you were cold in the swim, you have like with the increased speed, like you have all this wind coming at you and you, you've just done all this activity and now you're like in one, you're stuck in one position, you know you're gonna be really sore afterwards. It's like bumpy. It's just like the definition of uncomfortable. <laughs> Like, it's a good reason to shoot for a two-way event. A double crossing, yeah, that's it. That's your reason, is double, do the double so you don't have to ride the boat back. Yeah. <laughs> do you get, um, do you get, like, have phys physical, like, recovery? I mean, I know, like, you're cold, so do you have shivering, but have you ever had other symptoms after uh, long swims? Yeah, no, I, you know, I don't, I have not done much shivering either, and I think... Oh. I think some people don't, and it's 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 not a it's not a good thing. It's not like oh, I'm less cold than other people. <laughs> I, I think shivering is a natural physical response that I, I don't seem to have. Um, although I you know, I know I've shivered in like cold parking lots, but like not not attached to swimming. It's very weird. Um, but no, I I haven't been injured, thank God. Um, I will often come out of the water like bleeding somewhere from like you know a rocky finish or like even just climbing on the boat and usually you're cold you don't actually like you don't feel it that much and then you look and you have this blood um but it's just like waiting to get back to shore yeah. um can you tell us about the swim you're most proud of um sure i think uh mm, I'm, I think that the 2000, like my first attempt at the double North Channel is probably one that I'm most proud of, even though it was not ultimately successful. Um, I think, and it's not for any like historical reasons, like this is the first time someone attempted this, because I think that's silly until you you finished it. But um, I think for me, there's, it was a swim where at that point, like, it took on the aspect of a project and you, uh, as opposed to like, 
you know, I'm going to swim. The, I want to swim the English Channel. I'm going to hire a boat captain and I am the customer and I'm going to swim. You know, there's like a different relationship um, when you are doing something this individual um, where it becomes you, you really take ownership of the project. And so in 2017, um, we've been planning the two way and, you know, nothing really gets discussed like in too much depth till you're over there and you're planning it out and we have these terrible conditions and I'm sitting there for like weeks waiting for a window and um, it wasn't happening and uh, when we went out um, we knew we didn't have great conditions it was something you know I was fully informed of and I made the decision to go um, and it, it just felt very like epic <laughs> I don't know um, I, I like kind of rough conditions. I like conditions in which I can finish also. So, I, you know, <laughs> there's a, a balance there. But um, it was my first time swimming over 24 hours. It was, um, I don't know, I think I was like proud of the way that I handled things on that swim also. It was um, the first time that I didn't finish a swim that wasn't an event swim that got canceled because that happened several times my first season. Like the entire event was canceled while we were in the water. But, um, and it was not, mm -hmm. it was not a situation where like, I don't, I don't believe in, you know, this idea that you should swim till you die. I, you know, it was um, a logical decision that this was not gonna happen and we had made a good stab at it. And this was not, you know, I think um, I, I'm proud of the fact, you know, I held up well the whole way and uh was in control of that decision so <laughs> yeah um so is there i guess i i, I love how you describe in a couple of your interviews and in the way you did just now how you describe you know it's a, lo a lot it was a logical decision to finish um and at this point, I usually ask the question, you know, like, what did you learn from a, from a DNF or from something you haven't finished? So do you feel like there's anything that you would take into you to a next attempt? Um, so actually, that was my first attempt at this one. It was not my last attempt at this one. I, yeah, um, yeah. I, I actually think that, you know, I mean, not that there wasn't anything to learn, but like, I don't think it was finishable on that day. I don't think there was like a really, a, I'm pretty comfortable with the fact that there was not like a personal failing involved uh, in, in, in that swim. Um, I went back in 2018 and tried again. Um, and I ended up uh, also not finishing. And I think the main reason behind that was uh, I was just like full of a lot of jelly. I was <laughs> more stung up than, than I had in, in previous, had been in previous swims. And um, I didn't know like from personal experience, you know, exactly what that felt like. And given that what I didn't know, I think it was a good decision for me to get out. But now that I know that, I don't think I would make that decision again. Like, I don't think I was in any danger. It was not like something where I required medical attention afterwards. It was, but it was like, you know, I thought I was experiencing, you know, cold, et cetera. And it was really about like the venom. And, and I don't know, I'm a little bit, I'm very conservative where it comes to not actually much of a risk taker with swims. I am like, people are always surprised that I don't do a lot of winter swimming and like I dabble in it, but I'm very much like a dabbler and I, and I show up and I don't sign up for the long event and people are like, 
you know, and then I say, well, well, let's go swimming. And they say, oh, you can swim as long as you want. And I say, I'm sure you will swim longer than I do than I do when I get out. And I've never been really cold after a winter swim because I get out as soon as I think that like that there could be, you know, like I don't know what I'm feeling, so I'm not comfortable with this. And that's fine, but it's also something to learn from in that like, so the next time you know what that is and you can push it further. Um, and it's the same with, you know, I mean, obviously, traveling halfway across the world and, you know, and then swimming for 27 or 28 hours to get to the point where then you learn that lesson is a little bit like of a harsher lesson, but um, I wouldn't stop the next time. And it's something that I learned and, but there's something different every time, which is what's so great about our sport. Exactly. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about, I, I personally haven't been um, full of lion's mane jellyfish venom. <laughs> can you tell us what the recovery is like from, from a lot of stings like that, like you faced in that second attempt? Sure. I mean, I think, I think also this is very individual and I know, I think Elaine could probably tell you about this, like just as well or better than I can, <laughs> but um. I have come to believe that maybe I have like a pretty good tolerance for them. I mean, power. It's not on every, on every North Channel swim that I've done and it's never been an issue until the last time. And that was, I don't know that I really had an issue, but because, you know, because I actually hadn't experienced the same symptoms, you know, it was, so I think it's, it's really individual. So your, your mileage may vary. What I can say is that um, it's uncomfortable for 24 hours afterwards. Um, and so it, for some people, like there, there are definitely people who have like ended up with major medical problems from this. So I don't mean to uh, minimize this in any way, because so if you're having a medical problem, please go get it taken care of. But like assuming that that is not the case, um, you know, the just the normal sort of skin level, you know, symptoms um, and discomfort take about 24 hours to go to process, right? <laughs> um, and you feel like, first you you feel particular symptoms at like your extremities, like, you know, like your, your forearms and your ankles. And I've heard your groin, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, so you experience that in the water as like actually a sensation of increased cold, but then it kind of burns afterwards. It's like itchy, it's stingy. Um, I've heard that that hot water, I, you know, some people say that hot water is, is a good solution for afterwards. It'll help, you know, bring out some of the proteins that, that are in the venom um, or denature them in any case. Um, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but like it goes away in 24 hours. And I think it's really good to think about that. Keep your eye on the prize. <clears throat> Interesting, thank you for explaining that to us. Um, what, motivates, <laughs> what motivates you to keep going? Um, interesting. So I think in general, like, you know, what motivates me to keep swimming is, is definitely I'm like a little bit like I sign up for something and that's what motivates me. Like it's that it's the fact that I have the swim coming up that motivates me. And, but then during the swim itself, I don't think I rely on motivation at all. I think it's much more of a, for me, it's like a decision-based model. Like I have taken all these steps to get here and I have decided that I am not getting out until I'm done. Um, so I don't swim and think about, you know, the moment when I finish, because I don't know what that looks like <laughs> um, so much as just it's, it's, I don't entertain the, the thought of, of not 
swimming while I'm swimming, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, can you tell us about one of your favorite swimming memories? Um, gosh. I mean, I think that training trip in Italy was amazing. <laughs> I think, um, well, it ended badly. We all got sick. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I think, you know, um, for me, Coney Island is like a really special place to swim. And I think um, it's, it's unbelievable, you know, being in New York City, but also being at the beach at the same time. And, you know, the, the normal sort of basic route is you swim, you meet at Brighton Beach and you swim to Coney Island, which is, you know, a mile this way. And, um, and just like being in the water and seeing, you know, the, the cyclone and the parachute jump, those are sort of like amazing moments and just the community that's on the beach there. Um, yeah. <laughs> what advice would you have for an um, aspiring marathon swimmer? Ooh, um, this is a good one because actually I think my advice would be to never be shy about asking for help, like individual help, but actually to be very wary of people who are eager to give out blanket advice. Um, because I see this like a lot, uh, you know, and I think that uh, there are people who are out there who are willing to prescriptively say, you know, this is how you do X. And I think that the people who are probably most qualified to help, and I'm not, necessarily saying I'm most qualified, but like, you just notice that the people who are experienced in the sport are very gracious in giving advice when asked personally and in context of what you mean for yourself and your swims, or else they're very conscious of putting things in terms of their own experience. But um, solutions that say, you know, you should feed on, this is how you, this is what you should, you know, take in during your swims, or this is how you should train. The people who are giving that kind of advice are maybe um, misguided. I don't know. And that's my advice would be to, to avoid that. Um, because really, I think the, the, the constant is that there is no, like, we all go from, we all want to go from A to B. Uh, but how we get there is so varied. And I think that's, uh, that would be a really important thing to keep in mind that like, if somebody tells you that this is, you have to train this much a week and that's not working for you, uh, that's okay. Maybe, you know? Yeah. That's really, really great advice. I appreciate that. Um, how do you think that marathon swimming can be more inclusive? Um, I think that, uh, this is so hard. We've been talking about this a lot. And I think that to some extent, you know, this is a really individual sport and the way that, you know, I think the model that I see, especially, you know, at the marathon sort of level, the model that I see in general and that like I experienced is, has been, and I think is very effective. It's just sort of, you know, very 
like individual mentorship and, and bringing people, you know, inviting friends personally, you know, to, to be part of things. But um, in terms of, you know, as the sport grows and as, you know, and just sort of regarding open water swimming at a broader level, um, to the extent that there are, you know, events and, and sort of infrastructure surrounding it, I think that like it would be very helpful for, you know, um, not even like forget checking your privilege, right? It needs to be done too. But I think the first thing that 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 people are are missing is that to just examine our assumptions, you know, between you know about who is an open water swimmer, and you know, like it's been great uh, traveling around the world and and meeting all these people, and it gets a privilege to be able to do so. But what you do see is that in in other places uh, outside of the US, you know, open water swimming is actually like in the UK and in Ireland, you know, partially because of the geography, it's, it's so much more democratic and I'm sure they have their own issues, but, um, but it's, it's much more inclusive I find. And there are, I'm sure there are people excluded, but there are so many more people included and, and who open water swims and who is involved in the sport is, looks a lot different than, you know, what our baseline assumption is here in the US. And I think that um, just to, I think it would be a big help just to start to take a look at what is our assumption and why is it that way and, and what, you know, how can we be open to change? That's fabulous. Great, great response. Um, I admire you so much and I could ask you a million questions, but um, we've got to close it out. Can you tell us whose marathon swim story you want to hear? Um, yeah, so I know it's early for you guys on the West Coast, but I think there are all these fabulous ladies out in California that I would love to hear from that we haven't yet. You know, Amy Gubser, Robin Rose, Rainy Pierce. Um, there's also um, Arlene Gonzalez in Mexico City, who is like a powerhouse swimmer um, and just a really sweet person. Um, I think it would be interesting to, I don't know her personally, so I don't know if she's open to this at all, but I think it would be interesting to hear from Sandra Femmerman Bergquist. I think a lot of us here are like completers and that's great. I love that about our, our sport, but she has, um, she is, if you don't know, she, she's sort of she's in the marathon swimming community, but she is really, has been really trying to make a move towards competitive, you know, racing events. And I would just love to know, you know, the mindset behind that and what goes into, you know, how she does those swims, you know, with that in mind. Um, there are a lot of people in Ireland I'd love to hear from. I think um, Jared Kennedy is someone who is, he's a riot to talk to, um, but he also has like a really broad range of experience, like in and around the water, he is, He's a really accomplished ice swimmer, but he's also a really accomplished marathon swimmer. Like about half the time that I spend with him has been, you know, when we're crewing for people, he's like so supportive of everyone on the water. Um, I think he'd be great to hear from. <laughs> you might have to send me the full list. That was a big list, but I uh, thank you for the recommendations. Okay. <laughs> it's been so wonderful talking today, today Caroline. I really appreciate appreciate your time.
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> All right, you guys have a great day. And um, we'll see you next week. <laughs> great interview. Um, Thank you. Thanks, Shannon. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you'd like to be a guest on Marathon Swim Stories, just email me, shannon at intrepidwater.com. Please stay in touch by joining our email list at intrepidwater.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>